You are listening to the Legal Community Podcast, hosted by Guy Remond and Dave Zampano, powered by Guider. Guider provides self-service online legal documents supported by your local attorney. Fast, affordable, and in your own time. For more information and resources, please visit guider.legal and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Legal Community Podcast. I'm Lisa Rozier and today I'm joined with Guy Remond, Dave Zampano, and our special guest, episode two with Mr. Alistair McDermott. Hi, Alistair. How are you? Great to be back. Haven't aged a bit since I saw you. (laughs) (laughs) And for those of you that are just listening, Alistair is connected to the recognized authority. That is his company name. And he is an expert in building authority and personal brand. So today in this specific episode, we wanted to drill down a little bit deeper about what is the authority maturity model. And then from there, we're going to get into some legal talk and how we can attach the building authority and personal brand directly to the legal industry. So Alistair, let's just jump right in. Talk to me about the authority maturity model. Okay, cool. Well, I got the idea of the authority maturity model from what's called in in the software world, the capability maturity model. And it's basically uh, this model of, I think the Department of Defense in the US created it back in the 70s or 80s when they found out that something like 90% of their software projects were over budget or or just completely failed. And so they they had a lot of problems with that. And so they were trying to figure out and, and what they wanted to do is they wanted to classify to categorize how mature a software development company might be. And so I was thinking about that in the context of a person, of an individual and their personal authority in an area. I got this, the idea of kind of turning into this framework from when I was speaking with a lawyer called Aaron Austin and Aaron was on my podcast. She might be a good guest for you guys. Actually, I had Aaron on my podcast in one of the first, I don't know, the first 10 or 12 episodes. And she was talking about the value of intellectual property. So I was just thinking about how can I take my knowledge and turn it into something that might be a framework of some kind. So this developed from putting those two things together. Back when I was doing market research for changing my business. I, I rebranded my business three or four years ago from focusing on, on building websites to helping people to build authority. And so when I was doing that, I knew that I wanted to help people in the professional services space, particularly consultants and people like that. And so I did a large survey where I surveyed over a thousand independent consultants and consultants working in firms size one, two to 10, 11 to 50 and 51 to 200. And, and so I surveyed over a thousand consultants in firms of those sizes and I asked them a lot of different questions. So I ended up with a huge amount of data huge amount of information, which was a bit of a hot mess, really. And so (laughs) what what this model is, is me taking the hot mess of data and kind of going through it and talking to people about it and figuring out the insights that I was getting from it as I looked at it. I probably got about three or four books worth of insights and information from doing that survey. Wow. And so I started to kind of tidy it up and put it together and try and put put some order on it. And I realized, okay, I think I see four distinct areas or four distinct levels that somebody might be at in terms of measuring their personal authority. All right. 
And I, I can go through those with you if you want. Yeah, to, if you want to I'm intrigued. Let's keep going. I love the hot mess of data. So let's hear what the hot yeah, mess Yeah, I mean, I have a, I had a spreadsheet and, you know, there's all these different worksheets in it. You know, there's like 15 different worksheets and 15 different questions or, you know, 10 different questions in each one. And all. So, so yeah, it's a big mess of data. But once I, I started to kind of look through it and I started looking at patterns and, and so I, I figured that there were four kind of distinct areas that somebody could be at. Now there's always gray areas. So as soon as you create a model or framework, it's it's instantly wrong because it doesn't reflect the real world, but it's, it's an approximation. But so I, I see that everybody starts out as a novice and it, there's no reflection on how smart you are, but everybody starts at pretty much ground zero in terms of their personal authority. Mm-hmm. And the, the next step is to go from novice to this generalist expert. And I see this generalist expert as somebody who's really great at what they do, but I see them as invisible. They're this invisible expert. It's like they're wearing the cloak of invisibility in the Harry Potter movie. You know, <laughs> they're really good at what they do, but nobody really knows about them. And, and so they're like that phrase, the best kept secret, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is horrible as a business. You don't want to be the best kept secret. You want everybody to know about you. So I think that the next step then, if you want to, and, and you don't have to do this, and a lot of people can stay at this generalist expert area and being this invisible expert, and they will get all of their business through word of mouth referrals, because mm-hmm. that's how they get all of their business. They're, they don't really have any recognition to a wider audience. And that's why I say that they're invisible. But if they do want to go on to the next step, the next step is to niche down, to become a specialist in, in a niche or a niche area. And that's where you will see somebody start to do research, start to write books and start to kind of become much more knowledgeable about a much smaller piece of the pie. So they've stopped working in the kind of more generalist area and they're starting to get much more specialist and work on one type of project, one type of problem more and more. And the next step after specialist then, once they've worked as a specialist for a period of time, And that period of time might be a year, it might be five or 10 years. But after they've worked as a specialist for long enough and they've done enough publishing, the next step is they become an authority. And so I see that the different phases to go from novice to generalist, you you just have to get more experience and learn and, and figure out what you like doing and, you know, learn on the job. To go from generalist to specialist, you've got to niche down or niche down. You've got to specialize more. And then to go from being a specialist to becoming a recognized authority, you've got to publish. And speaking and, and research kind of goes all along with that. So, so those are kind of the, the different stages and the action that you need to take at each of those stages. So that's effectively the authority maturity model. And there's a lot more detail in it, but yeah, like I, I kind of classify like there's different, like there's different types of website that you might have at different stages. There's different type of pricing that you might do. Your source of business is probably going to be different for each one of those. The amount of impact that you have is going to be different. So there's, there's a lot of different things that go along with that. That's a very interesting model, those four steps. And Dave, from a legal perspective or guy, any input on that maturity model and those, those four steps? Just before we hit the legal, I've just got a yeah. general kind of query, Alistair. So I take it you meet people at different stages, actually, of where they're at, don't you? So how do you, how mm-hmm. do you measure where they're at? And then I'm assuming then at that point, then you put a plan forward for them to, to get them to the you know, the final level where they become the, the, you know, the publisher and they're producing content in the niche that they are genuine experts in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and so what I did was I, I actually took the, 
I took the model. And, and so what I was doing was I was looking for markers at each different stage that were different from one stage to the next. And I was looking for patterns. And so what I do is I created an assessment with assessment questions based on each of those different kind of categories. And so I actually turned it into a tool where people can answer the, the assessment questions online, and then it'll give them, there's a 90% chance that you're in, you know, at that stage, one, two, three, or four, you know, whichever stage they're at. And quite typically people don't come to me if they're a novice because they just wouldn't think about that. They wouldn't, they, like a lot of people at the novice stage don't think about building authority. Some people do, they're thinking ahead, but most people don't. And then most people who approach me are not authorities already because otherwise they wouldn't be approaching me. So typically they're in one of the two middle stages. Mm-hmm. And in the world of consulting, there are the generalists who haven't niched down yet or niched down. And so I, I help them with that problem specifically. In fact, I have a podcast called The Specialization Podcast, which they can listen to to help them with that problem. And then most people who I talk to are already specialized and it's the publishing part that they have problems with. And so that's the, the kind of the publishing and visibility part. So that's that's the part that I'm really interested in. I can tell pretty quick when I talk to somebody. Like you can tell a simple question is, do most of your clients come from within a 40 mile radius or outside a 40 mile radius? You know, that's that's a, a pretty simple one to know if they've got that global reach, that global audience, then they're probably a specialist or an authority already. And and if not, then they're probably dependent on referrals. Mm-hmm. And that assessment that you were talking about, is that available on your website or is that something that you send one-on-one? Yeah. So, so I have it available. You can go to the recognized authority.com slash assessment. Maybe our listeners out there want to know where they fall into place. Like that's a, that's a great place to start. Dave, I can see the wheels are turning with regards to the legal industry and lawyers and starting out to being, you know, a term that we use in in Dave's legal community is e-freedom, entrepreneurial freedom. So, you know, Dave talking about this model, the authority maturity model, how can you correlate that to the legal industry? I got to tell you, as I was sort of speaking, I was reliving my own life, right? Um, (laughs) And well, what's interesting is sometimes, and I'd love your opinion on this, Alistair, and, and even yours, Sky, sometimes people don't intend to be an authority and, and they become one. I, I never intended to be an authority ever. And you talk about the 40 miles. Well, having a national legal organization, I guess, puts me outside the 40 mile zone. But I never, never sought that. I never was looking for that. It was actually a byproduct of two things one, being innovative, and two, being innovative in areas where there was pain that there was no obvious solution. So I, I think part of being an authority in publishing, I, I want to go one step deeper. It has to be relevant to solving something important in, in the world, right? Otherwise, you're just a talking head, right? So what do you think about that guy and you, Alistair? I mean, like I said, for me, I never sought it. It, just, it found me because I would wake up and I, I just always wanted to learn more. My dad always said, you know, Don't ever go to sleep at night unless you've learned something new that day. And then the second thing I did was listened. I asked the clients, well, what do you want? What do you need? And they all said the same thing when you listen. And every lawyer out there said, well, you can't do that. And I said, well, we're not here to say what you can't do. We're here to figure out what they can do. And so that's what I started doing is creating those solutions. So what say you, Alistair and Guy, around this context? One of the things about developing authority and becoming known to a broader audience is you can have more impact 
very simply, you put out a, a book or a blog post or a video, it spreads out to more people and more people can take action on that. They can learn from that. You can work with bigger clients or more clients, or you can productize your services in some way so that more people can use it for a lower price. So you can impact more, literally numbers of more people. So there's a number of different ways that you can do that, but you can have more impact by building your authority. So I think that's that's something. So, so Guy, what about you? I think you're right. And, and Dave, it's a, it's a really good point you raised. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I just want to jump in going to what Dave was saying, thinking about Dave was saying he was thinking of his journey. I was thinking about the journeys of all the lawyers that I get to work with on a daily basis. Right. And as you're talking about the four different places of where they fall, I can sit there and say, okay, somebody coming right out of the gate, law school, elementary, they're trying to figure it out. You have people that, what do they call Dave? The door lawyer, anything that walks through yeah. the door, they're going to do work. We with? call them pay, pay the rent lawyers. Pay the rent they, they, lawyers. They get anything right? they have to pay the rent. Yeah. Right. And then by the time they get into where I'm working with them, they've fixed their area of law of what they're, they've narrowed it down to, you know, two, three areas. And they have the ultimate goal of the one specific area where they want to focus in. And then once they break that down, you know, specifically for me, my experience is working in the estate planning, asset protection arena, Dave as well. They're kind of at that part there. They have that speaking head. They have that brand awareness within their community. They kind of have that good marketing plan. They got that strong team behind them. They're making revenue. And Dave, in your opinion, when does that lawyer hit that authority mark? Is it, you know, when they reach that entrepreneurial freedom, when they're publishing articles, you know, what, what part in your opinion, do you think that the legal community hits that? Yeah. I'm going to twist this a tiny bit, Lisa, because you really (laughs) triggered something that I, I would love Elsher's opinion on, but I'm going to answer your question and then state something for Elsher's opinion. I think it happens, all politics is local. You ever hear that old saying, right? Mm-hmm. When, you, when, you, when you talk about even the presidential elections, whether it was the 20 to 2001, but Bush and Gore, or the most recent one, everything comes down to individual precincts, right? So the thought that came to me, Elsher talked about this 40 mile radius, if you're outside of 40 or inside of 40, Alice, I think you're going to agree with me, but what I have found is there is an authority within the 40 mile radius too. So you can have that authority. You don't have to be national. You don't even have to be international. You can be local authority. And where I think, why you're coming to that, Elsa, but to answer your question, Lisa, what I found in the local community where that was really came from your community work. I used to do public free workshops to educate. Anyone asked me, I would go do it because just to help people empower them with knowledge. And over time, that builds a reputation that you're the one always training. Then I would start training the financial professionals. Hey, did you know you can do this? Hey, did you know you can do this? And like I said, I became that local authority. And then when I got introduced to a national organization, they said, what the hell are you doing? Nobody's doing that, All right? And then that brought me outside the 40 mile. But Alistair in particular, I'd love to hear your opinion on the becoming an authority within the 40 miles. Yeah, it, it's really interesting because the phrase experts travel, which is that people will travel to meet an expert. You'll hear about somebody traveling in particular to meet like an expert consultant, for example, like a cancer, a rare cancer or brain surgeon or something like that. People will fly around the world to meet the best in the world for that. On the other hand, getting those speaking opportunities in particular 
can start at a local level and, and quite often does. And so you can build, you can start getting those opportunities much quicker if you look at local events. And so I think it's kind of a mix, really. I think that ultimately the goal for for people now, it, it might be slightly different. There is some nuance in the legal community in terms of jurisdictions and things like that. And, and so that may restrict you in terms of different laws and things like that. But I, I still think that you eventually will become known at least nationwide. You know, and and that would be because your your knowledge is relevant nationwide. So yeah, that, that's that's kind of my take on it. All right, great. I, I think also if you if you become an expert in a niche area and you you know you do produce a lot of expert content, then particularly if it's written content in the context of what I'm going to talk about, then you're making a lot of noise on the internet, and you will be noticed more than if you're a generalist talking about stuff because mm-hmm. there's lots of noise out there and the, the trick nowadays is to really make a name for yourself in a particular area where there's less noise it's like you you want to play in a part where there's no one else playing really because if mm-hmm. you do that then you know you are just automatically the expert in that park as it were the more niche you go uh, the, yeah. the better in that case, you know, because yeah, absolutely. Th- there, there is less competition. Now, you don't want to go to the point where there's zero competition because it's it's good to have competition because that validates that there's a market there. So you, you do want some level of competition, you know, but... And but, it also helps you distinguish yourself and refine yourself from the yeah. other competition. Yeah. But I mean, my my direct competition, I've invited them and they've all been guests on my podcast. And and they all have slightly different ways of doing things and they, they all work with very slightly different clients. There's no real direct competition when it comes down to it like that, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Makes absolute sense. So just in closing, Alistair, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how can they find you? Sure. If you look for The Recognized Authority, and if you can put that into your podcast player, I have a podcast called The Recognized Authority, which is coming up to, I think, 85 episodes now. Awesome. And I also, if, if somebody's interested in specialization, they can search for specialization podcast. You'll find me through that. Okay, great. And I just want to circle back to that awesome assessment we talked about too. Yeah, you can go to the recognizedauthority.com slash assessment. All right. Awesome. So thank you again for joining us. We had a great two-part series with you. And for those listening, you can always catch additional episodes just by going to guider.legal and clicking on the Legal Community Podcast. Guy and Dave and Alistair, thank you so much for joining us. And for all of our listeners, thank you. And we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Legal Community Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at guider.legal for more information and please review and share this show. We'll see you next time.